this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, whatever we ask in prayer, believing that we have received it, it will be ours. We believe that prayer changes everything. And so we look forward to praying with you. Be blessed. with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the voice of your thunder they hastened away. They went up over the mountain. They went down into the valley to the place which you have found for them. You have set boundaries that they may never pass over. That they may never return to cover the earth. You send the springs into valley and they flow along the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkey quenched their thirst. By them the birds of the heaven have their home. They sing among the branches. His water from the hills is his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied 
with the fruits of your root works. And down in verse 19, it says, He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down, and it makes the darkness. It is night. In which all the beasts of the forest creep about, and the young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they gather together and lie down in their den. Man goes to work, and he labors until evening. At verse 31 it says, May the glory of our Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his work. He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they are smoke. I will sing as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God who have my being. May my meditation be sweet on him. I will be glad in the Lord. May sinners be consumed from the earth, and the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Our God has made the oxygen so perfect in the air that it may keep us alive through breathing. Our God is able to sustain every beast of the air. Our God is able to sustain you. This morning, Father God, we come into your presence. We come and we have grateful hearts, hearts that are turned recognizing that you are the sovereign God and there is no other. Creation speaks of your greatness, but just in case we missed it, Lord, just in case, your words speak of your greatness. And Father, we are grateful for the honor of serving you. We are grateful for the honor of being your children. Lord, you have no grandchildren. You only have children. And we are grateful for the honor of praising our God. We are grateful, Lord, that you are with us, that you would never, ever leave us, that you would never forsake us, that you heal our wounds, you heal our aches, our pains, that you are with us, Lord God, and you open doors and you shut doors, you level mountains, you make crooked paths straight. There are so many things that, Lord, words cannot compile your goodness. I am grateful this morning. The congregation this morning comes before you and recognize that you are the most high God. You are sovereign and there is no other God like you. We declare this in our hearts. We declare this with our lips. We declare it in the heavenlies. You are the sovereign God. 
and you alone reign. And we declare that you will reign in this place. You will reign in this service. You will be lifted up and you will be glorified. You will be magnified, O oh God. The heavens declare your glory, Lord. Let us declare your glory this morning from our lips with what we say, with what we do, Lord God. Let us live lives that will glorify you, Lord. Father God, come into this place and fill the atmosphere with you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we need you to worship you. We need you to empower us to worship you afresh. Breathe upon us, Lord, that we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, without you, we can do nothing. We are nothing. So, Lord, we come recognizing that it is you who takes us to a new place of worship. Nothing that we do or say will bring us there. So, Holy Spirit, come and have your way in this sermon. Come and, and declare your greatness. Come and tabernacle with us. Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, and take your rightful place. Be glorified and be lifted up. Be magnified, Master God. Father, Daddy, the only true and living God, ever faithful, ever true, cause us to be in a place of gratitude of your goodness forever and ever. So, Lord, we recognize we can say and do everything, Lord, but without you, Lord, we are but nothing. There is no one like you, Lord, no one greater. Nobody like you, Jesus. I climbed up to the highest mountain Looked all around, couldn't find nobody Went down into the deepest valley Looked all around down there, couldn't find nobody I went across the deep blue sea Couldn't find one to compare to your grace, your love, your mercy. Nobody greater, nobody greater than you. I searched all over, couldn't find nobody. I looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody. Nobody greater. Nobody greater, no, nobody greater than you. I searched all over, couldn't find nobody. I looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody. Nobody greater, nobody greater. 
Where you 
changing up how we do things this morning. Normally we would be going into to collecting of the offering. But this morning we want to do the sense that we need to be doing things differently. I want you to just bow your head, heads with me this morning. Lord, we just sang a song that says you are worthy of it all. 
And we declare it, Lord, that it's from you all things come. And it's to you, Lord, everything belong. And so, Lord, we are reminded of the scripture that everything was made by God. For God. And so we recognize, Father, this morning that everything that we have, and even us, we, we are yours. And we desire this morning to use our lives to bring you glory. We desire this morning, God, to give you everything that is inside of us. We desire this morning, God, to praise you with all our beings, Lord, because you are worthy. Lord, we cannot praise you enough for what you are worthy of. But, Lord, we bring our lives, Lord. And if it means giving our lives to you is all that we can do, Lord, we give our lives to you today. We give you thanks, Father. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, even as I speak, Lord, it will be you who will bring the word to our ears. Lord, let the word minister to me as well as it ministers to everyone who is listening. Lord, I thank you. Thank you that we serve a God who is worthy. We do not serve a God who cannot move. We do not serve a God whose hands can be chopped off or his head can be broken off. We serve a God who is mighty. And there is no one who can contend with you, God, and win. And so, Father, we just give you thanks for your glory and for you. And we praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The topic this morning of the message is the healthy church. A couple weeks ago we were looking at Acts and we did Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 3 and a part of Acts 4. And, this, and, and then we broke for about three weeks and we did the armor fits. We did, we did the Ephesian and we did Samuel where we looked at Samuel, um, David fitting into, into to Saul's armor. We looked at that last week, and we looked at the fact that the, although the armor fits, there are times when it won't fit because it wasn't yours. And so this week, we want to continue Acts, and we want to go back to looking at the healthy church. So it's Acts 4, verses 31 to Acts 5, verses 16. So it's Acts 4. 31 to Acts 5, 16. Okay, I'm going to, for the interest of time, I won't read everything. But as I go, I will just make mention and highlight various parts of the scripture. When I was preparing um, the health, the, this message, the healthy church, what came to my mind was the ant. The ant we know is a social insect that live in a structured community. The ants we are, are known to work together and they work in, a, in huge teams called colonies. And it, 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 when, when I looked at what the ant could do, 
Some say they could carry up to 50 times their body weight. And I actually looked at a research from a university that conducted a, new, a research and they said the ant can carry up to 5,000 times its body weight. I marveled at that. That's a lot. It's like me carrying a truck or a car. The colony can have hundreds of thousands of ants, but each ant has a different function and is responsible for the health and the survival of the colony. In, in the colony, there are three kinds of ants. There is the queen ant that lays the eggs. There's the drone or the male ant, and all he does is, is mate with the queen, the queen ant, and after mating, he dies. And then there is the worker ant, and the worker ant is responsible for gathering the food, digging the tunnels, making the ant ill. And in the midst of the worker ant, there's another category in the worker ants called the soldiers. They are the ones who protect the queen, protect the colony, and, 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 and so they are their function. So we recognize that even as, as, as small as the ants or the ant is, there's a structure in what they do. The queen ant is the only one that has the wings. And she gave up her wings when she started to have, when she starts to have um, babies. But what we notice is that she's the largest of the lot. The drone, physically she's the biggest. The drone is, or the male, the male ant, you don't have many, because most of the worker ants, all the worker ants are female. The only time you'll find a male is that when he's hatched and he come and if there, how many persons can mate with the queen, the queen, the queen ant? They leave and they go to form other colonies, but as soon as they mate, they die. And the queen, she's just there. All her function is this. She does not go out to work. She does not go out to look food. All she does every day is just hatch eggs, lay eggs, lay eggs, lay eggs. Alone, an ant is considered to be an inept, be, be considered to be clumsy and have no skill. So for the co colony to be healthy, ants must work together. And actually, when they work together in unity, they are considered smart because they come up with some healthy ways of doing things and some ingenious ways of doing things. You'll see them carrying food particles from one place and they'll get to a place where there is no bridge but what they do one will stand and, and lay himself out and the next one climbs on his back and stretch from that point to the next point and it, the next one continues until there's a bridge and then they thicken the bridge by others coming alongside them and, and doing the same thing and then it is now a bridge that is formed what I also notice is that when they are carrying food particles, the ones who are going up with the food goes on one side of the, of the tree or whatever that object is that they're climbing on. And the ones who have delivered and are coming back to, to do another trip, they're on the other side. Stru very structured. And so as I looked at it, I recognized that the ant as I said before, is very structured. 
when she recognizes that there is food somewhere, I'm going to use she because the workers, as I said to you before, they're all females. When she recognizes that there is food or she finds food somewhere, she makes, she quiet, she sends out an alert. So she sends out an order for the other ants to know that I have look, just located food. And if the distance is too far, she carries what she can physically carry on her own and she keeps letting out that odor and dropping trails of the food along the journey for them for, to come back so that she knows where to come back or for those who are coming will know where to go because of where the food is. I marveled at it when I, when, when I did the research on them. And this week, I, when I looked at the, the, the Axe Church, as I said earlier, they reminded me of the ant. Like the ant, the church in Acts needed to survive. They had to survive because everything was basically the enemies around them. And like us, as a, for, for us to be a healthy church at New Life, we have to learn how to survive. A healthy church grows warmer in fellowship, deeper in discipleship, stronger in worship, broader in ministry, and larger in evangelism. But this can only happen when its members are all functioning in oneness of heart. And this brings about spiritual unity, generosity, and boldness to testify about Jesus. The church in Acts was being persecuted for speaking and for teaching and for healing in the name of Jesus. Peter, we saw in, 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 after healing the crippled man, was, but they, were, they were jailed and then they were warned and then they were released because the evidence was too much for the Sanhedrin to ignore. But they were released and when they were released, they were told, do no, no longer speak in that name. They didn't even call the name. No longer speak in that name. The church did not succumb to the threats of the Sanhedrin. And they did not pray for their protection. It's what I marveled at. They didn't go and say, Lord, protect us from those. They didn't pray for their protection and safety. Instead, they rejoiced. And they praised God's creative and sovereign power asking him for the ability to speak the word of God with great boldness and that miraculous signs and wonders would be performed in Jesus' name. Although they had received the Holy Spirit before in Acts 2, 1 to 4, the Lord responded to their request and the place where they were meeting was shaken. And we can see that in Acts 4, verse 31. The place where they were meeting was shaken. And they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The disciples were experiencing the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit again. And, that, and the Holy Spirit would overtake them. He would control and influence their very actions. The Holy Spirit was the grace they needed to be the healthy church 
that they needed to be, living authentic, truthful, and transparent lives as they boldly testify to the saving power of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's presence in, their, in the disciples' lives resulted in unity. In verse 32, we recognize that all the believers were one in heart and mind. The Holy Spirit's presence resulted in them being generous in their genero generosity. In verse 31, it says, 31, um, I'm so sorry. In verse 34, it spoke about there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned the lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had a need. The, another result of the Holy Spirit's presence in their life was the boldness they saw in verse 31 and verse 33, where it says, With great power, the apostles continued to, continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them. For us at New Life, like the, 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 the Acts Church to be healthy, we have to learn to survive. Our members must be united in oneness of heart and mind. The Acts Church was healthy. They accomplished what God had called them to accomplish because they were one in heart and mind. So what does it mean to be one in heart and mind? The heart is the vital center. So it is not the, the physical boop, boop, boop uh, that we have in our chest. The heart is the physical center of one's being. It's our emotions, it's our sensibilities, and the mind is the thoughts and the reflective thinking of an individual. So normally when we, when, when we have the right mind, it is our thoughts are correct, our thoughts are right, our mind, our thoughts and our thinking and our emotions are correct or right. To be one in heart and mind meant that the disciples were united in spirit. They were united in thoughts. They were united in goals, purposes, or desires and emotions as they laid aside their individual way of doing things and their differences to work together for the common good of the church. The disciples responded to God's grace, and instead of living to satisfy their own selfish desires, they were focused on fulfilling the purpose and mission of God and were striving together to represent Jesus to the people, treating each other as they would want to be treated. Actually, they treated each other as brothers and sisters. We spoke of family. According to John MacArthur, all of those who were true in faith in the extra church, who were genuine and who really loved the Lord, loved each other as well. They, their love grew out of humility, out of consummate love for the Lord, which sees oneself as nothing. And out of that humility comes the ability to see others as better than oneself. Out of that kind of vision comes the kind of love that will bring about true unity. So for unity come, to come, we have to have genuine love for each other. 
We have to have genuine love for the Lord. We have to recognize that I am supposed to treat you better than I treat myself. Being united does not imply uniformity, but it represents the ability and willingness to work harmoniously together and not be divisive in our actions, despite our differences in viewpoints and opinions. And we know, because most times when you think of being unified, people may think that, okay, we are all going to have the same thoughts, or we are all going to know. Is that uniformity? When we are united, I come with my idea, you come with your idea, you come with your idea, and what we do, we come to the table, and, but, but because we are working on one common purpose, one common good, it is okay if my idea is not the idea chosen. It should be okay if your idea is not the idea chosen, but if I can take a piece of yours, a piece of mine, or maybe none of mine, and come together for the common good, that is unity. That is how you accomplish the work harmoniously. Jesus in John 17, 23, 30 prayed that the believers would be brought to complete unity. And as we looked at it, we saw his, his prayer being fulfilled in the Acts Church. They, they were experiencing the reality of God's love together. And through the, the gospel message, they were saying to others, you too can come and experience God's love. When you and I are one in heart and mind, there will be no division, no backbiting, no jealousy, no malice, no strife. When we are united in the church, and I'm meaning the small church in terms of us and the large church in terms of the entire body of believers of Jesus, the world will know by the way we love each other and by the way we love them. You and I have a responsibility to represent Jesus in a loving way to everyone we meet, even to those we call unloving or unlovable. And he, I, when I was doing this, I just remember the conversation we had last week where we were talking about persons that it's easy to love those that we call lovable and, and not to love those who are unlovable in our own eyes. But as I was doing it, the Lord said, the Lord, the, the Lord impressed on my heart that we looked at those and we say, okay, you are lovable and you are unlovable. And, and there are persons who look at me and say, I am lovable, and some who say, I am unlovable, right? But he said that we all have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to love those who I consider lovable and unlovable. And I also have a responsibility to live a way that those who see me initially as unlovable, that my life will so change that they will be seeing the transformation of Jesus in me. So it's a responsibility on both sides. If you, if you are lovable or unlovable, you have a responsibility. So how have you been rep representing Jesus? Are people being drawn to Jesus because of their interaction with you or are they repelled? Do they even know that Jesus exists because of you? Do they even know that you're a follower of Christ in anything but just because of what you do, the way you live? In 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul appealed to the church in the name of Jesus that all should agree with one another so that there may be no division among them and that they may be perfectly united in mind and thought. He further, 
encourages the Philippian church to imitate Christ in Philippians 2, 1 to 5. He said, imitate Christ by being like-minded and having the same love. And when you look at how Christ demonstrated his love, what did he do? He gave his life. The only life he had, he gave it. It's not like he had three lives like a cat or nine like a cat. That we would say a cat has nine lives. And he gave one. He gave, when he gave his life, he knew that this was going to be the end of him in the flesh. Yet he gave it. And so Paul is saying, let us imitate Christ. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look to your own interests, just like the ant. The ant is not gathering food because he could have ate it there, but he's gathering it because he's thinking of the colony. He said, look, each of us should not look at only our, our own interests, but also at the interests of others. Your attitude, he says, should be the same as that of Jesus. So when you look at how Jesus demonstrated love, I know that I fall, I mean, I, don't, I, I fall so short, I can't even find a, a decimal point to see how far I am in comparison to how Jesus demonstrated love. But as I said to him when I was preparing yesterday, I said, Lord, but it is my desire to get to that place, but I know I can't get there without your help. When you and I are united in Christ, we follow Christ's example of true humility. Jesus looked for opportunities to serve rather than to be served. He considered the interests of others as more important than his own. He gave up his rights in order to obey God and to serve people. Like Jesus, you and I should ask the Lord to help us to lay aside our selfish ambition, our vain conceit, because all of those things, what they do, they bring this vision and they bring this cord. And so we and ask him to help us to look for the opportunities to humbly serve others. In 1 Peter 3, 8, Peter listed five key elements that should characterize unity among believers. He says, finally, all of you must live in harmony with one another. That's one of the first elements. He said, be sympathetic to each other. Then he said, love as brothers. Because when you think about loving as brothers, I'm realizing, who do I call my brother? It, 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 when, you, when I think about my brother, I want to help my brother. I don't treat my brother as just a regular guy out there having a need. If I can help him, I want to help him. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because of this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. And I'm realizing Paul is saying, for us to be a healthy church, these are the characteristics of unity that we must have. Harmony must be one. Living as family must be another. Being sympathetic and compassionate and humble. Do not repay. And we know we are guilty. I know I'm guilty of wanting to repay evil for evil and insult for insult. But he says, if you want to be blessed, you have to do the opposite of that. 
So do you desire unity in your home, workplace, and church? I do. I do desire it. We can only accomplish true unity in God. We achieve unity from first being spiritually united with Jesus. And so I, I am aware that there are so many organizations and brotherhoods. I think of the Lodge. I think of the different Rotary, the different, the different organizations that are formed for unity. And they say that if we come together with common minds, we can achieve this. But that is not genuine unity. Genuine unity can only be found in God. There are benefits to being united in Jesus. One of the benefits of being united is that we are stronger. There's strength in unity. The world is not united. It's a dog-eat-dog, crab-in-a-barrel type world, the unity that we're seeing out there, where everybody is vying for themselves. It's an individualic society where everybody's saying, it's me, myself, and I. It's all about me. Do it for me. This is what I want. And God is saying to us, for us to be healthy as a church, the conversation cannot be about I. It must be about we. We, we, when we are spiritually united, we genuinely celebrate the other giftings and success of others. And we rid ourselves of any disingenuous unity we tend to portray. God's mission cannot be accomplished when we are divided. I have yet to see evening construction that you're, where, where, where you, yes, it's a good point, because in construction, you'll have the electrician and you'll have the mason always at war and the plumber. The mason, all he wants to do is to build his wall, render it and finish so he can be paid. And all the electrician and the plumber wants to do is to lay their pipes. They have no interest in the work of the mason. And the mason has no interest in the work of the electrician and the plumber. And you'll be on site, and the, and the, 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 the mason is laying his, 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 his blocks. And all he wants to do is to hurry and to, to, to render it, to finish it. And he cannot do it because if he does it, it leaves a crease, it leaves a mark when the electrician and the plumber chops that wall. But he does not care because at the end of it, the finished product is not his responsibility. He wants to finish his wall so that he can be paid. And over and over on construction site, that is a constant struggle, constant division, constant discord because of, 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 of this, the selfishness of, of, of man. You and I must rid ourselves of everything that causes us to not to be united. We have to look at our rage. We have to look at our anger. We have to look at our pure thoughts. We have to look at our, 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 our slandering of each other. And we must strive to do whatever it takes to be united. We should not allow ourselves. As I mentioned last week, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't want to be the door through which the enemy comes through. And at the same time, I don't want to be the one that causes anyone to stumble. So how do I get to that place of not being that door and causing others to stumble by doing things that cause people to think negative? The only thing I can do is to rid myself of the things in me 
that would cause me to be an open door to the enemy. Nothing is impossible when we are spiritually united. In Genesis 11, we saw where they were building the Tower of Babel or Tower of Babel, depending on your pronunciation. And they were of one language and common speech, and they decided to build a city with a tower so that they could reach the heavens. And God looked down and saw them, and he says, if as one people speaking the same language they are beginning to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. So imagine what you and I can accomplish when we are spiritually united. Because they weren't. And God said if they put their mind together, united, there's nothing that would be impossible for them to accomplish. When you and I are spiritually united, we can harmoniously pursue the same goals despite our differences. Because we're all different. We all think differently. If, 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 if all of us would read this, have read the same scripture and all of us would have seen different things out from the same scripture. And that's okay because it's the differences. But if, for us to work harmoniously together, we have to recognize that we, we have to put our differences and work towards the same goal. We are naturally born sinners and our natural inclination is to please ourselves rather than God and others. But what I liked what David did in Psalm 51, he went to the Lord and he pleaded. And he pleaded to God's mercy and he pleaded for God to God for forgiveness and cleansing from within. And he said, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast or a right spirit within me. David recognized that for, for, in order for him to live the way God wanted him to live, he could not live with the heart and mind that he had. He needed cleansing. And I know that I need cleansing daily. My cleansing is not a one-off thing. It's a daily renewing of my mind. It's a daily cleansing it's a daily seeking the Lord's mercy and forgiveness. It's a daily going before him and saying to him, Lord, I am a sinner who is in need of you, my Savior. Couple months ago, um, my husband had put a piece of Velcro on the, the front of my, the face plate of my radio in my car because we were going somewhere and the car mount had broken, was broken, and it could no longer work. And he wanted to use the GPS, so navigation system, so he put the Velcro there, and he used his iPad or whatever he, instrument he had, and he put it there. Months later, I wanted to remove the Velcro because now I could not see the face of my radio. I couldn't see the time. I couldn't know what channel I was on. I just didn't know anything. And so we tried to remove, remove the Velcro. And what happened? Instead of coming off by itself, the Velcro took off the entire faceplate of the radio. And when I saw that, I thought about unity. When something is so united, nothing can come and pick it apart. When something is united, nothing can come and separate it or infiltrate it. But when you are not united, any storm, any little wind can blow and cause this unity anything at all. And so I thought about it and I said, the, the Velcro stuck to that faith place like he said, we are one. 
And again, it reminds me of construction. Because when a house is being built, it is being built in a way that if, 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 a, if a storm comes, the house should move as one. Because once it is moving as two or three different parts, that is where the home is going to be broken up and divided and destroyed. So the beam and the column sway together as one. And it's only an earthquake can come and divide it because the earthquake comes and it shears and it cracks in between. But a little hurricane shouldn't blow away a house. Well, our type houses. But when you are united, nothing, the enemy does not have the power to pick us apart. Like the wineskin, our hearts are pliable. And it, at the same time, it can become rigid. When, we, when, it, when it is rigid because we have harbored negative thoughts, I, I, I know whenever my mind is not right, I cannot enjoy fellowship with God. No matter how much song I sing, no matter how much prayers I pray, I cannot have right fellowship or sweet fellowship with God. But I recognize that once there is a shift where I confess my sins and, and before the Lord and I, and I work my situation out, once there is a shift, I recognize the way I respond to God, the way I respond to, to my husband, the way I respond to my friend, my parent, my child, or others changes. When there is disunity, it messes up friendships. Relationships are destroyed. No matter how close you think you are to God, if you're not having a right relationship with anybody, it could even not be as far, far as a co-worker that you only see a couple hours of the day. That messes up your relationship with God. And you may think that you're praying and you're doing all of that, but you cannot have that connection. You cannot have that fellowship that you could have had if you were united. When we are spiritually united, we do not spend time highlighting the other person's weakness and faults. And I am guilty of that one. And I had to talk to the Lord. Because, because when you spend time looking at someone's weakness and faults, all you're doing is you cannot see their strengths. Thomas Brooks says, when you and I ponder and highlight the sins and weaknesses of others more than their strengths, we are looking at darkness more than light. We are looking at hell more than heaven. Because sin is darkness, he says, and grace is light. Sin is hell, but grace is heaven. The reverse is also true. When we are spiritually united, we will make the necessary adjustments in our behavior and lives to maintain harmony and peace. And we will do whatever it takes to accomplish the peace and unity. So we recognize that it, I have a responsibility not to pay attention and, and be pondering and highlighting your weaknesses and your flaws and your faults. But, but I also have a responsibility to adjust my life that the things inside of me that, are, that would cause this unity or, lack or, 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 or to, to remove harmony and peace, I should also give to the Lord so that I can be in harmony. Satan hates God, eh? And he hates the church. And he hates when 
believers are united. They hate when families, that's why we have so many divorces. That's why we have so many relationships of mothers and daughters and fathers and sons and parents and friends and co-workers and family members, cousins and cousins not, 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 not having conversations or in malice. Satan hates unity. Because he knows where there is unity, there is nothing what that people can't accomplish. Imagine a united family. They'll be thinking together. They'll be planning together. They'll be vacationing together. They'll be enjoying each other. But a family that is not united, what happens? Distance occurs. Distance that brings this unity. Distance that brings discord. So Satan hates when we are united. And what he does, he uses the unresolved issues in our lives to bring about this disunity and to bring about division. And wherever there is not genuine unity, the enemy will come in. James 4.1 says, We have fights and quarrels because, our desire, because it's our desire that battles within us. So every time I have an issue with you or with you or with you or with anyone, check it out. It is something inside of me. So it is not that you have done something. Of course you may have done something. But it is what is inside of me that would cause me to, to constantly wanting to have that fight or quarrel. Whether it be a quarrel with you or a quarrel in my head. We can learn about unity from the ants. The ants recognize that in and of themselves they are clumsy. They are inept. But when they come together they are smarter. And they have a better chance of survival. The ant cannot survive alone. There is no one ant who can build an ant hill. There is no one ant who can carry that, that leaf or, or make a bridge. There is no one ant that who can, can survive on its own because it's so easy for another little bird or whatever that eat ant to just pick it away. But the ant recognize that I do better when I'm in colony. I do better when I'm working together with people who are of like mind. The second key truth this morning is a healthy church is generous. So we looked initially that a healthy church is united. The second point is a healthy church is generous. The Acts church was a generous church. And this was demonstrated in how they gave. Initially, when we looked at Acts 2, they had most of the persons who became converts, they were new to Jerusalem. They were just coming in for that festival or for that feast. And they became converted, and so they were remaining in Jerusalem. They weren't going back. And they had their families to, be, to, to, be, to support Many were poor and needed assistance. And when you look at Paul's letter in Corinthians, he says to them, not many of you who were called were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose the lowly and the foolish things of this world. So we see that a lot of times the converts or the believers who came to Christ and they asked them, and even now, are never normally persons who are rich, because the rich, we tell you, they think that they have no need for God. So Paul is saying, not many of you were of this 
this was so, um, had so much in common or not many of you were rich or had anything in, you were influential so they needed the support of each other the disciples responded to God's grace selflessly and he gave them the desire to meet the needs that arose in Acts 2 44 to 45 we saw, see where they sold their possession and goods and gave to anyone as he had need also, we see them doing it again in Acts 4, 32 and verse 34. That no one claimed that any of his possession was his own, but they shared everything they had, and there was no needy persons among them. But those who owned the lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. What I, I found amazing, because I remember many years ago being a part of a conversation where someone was saying they don't feel like giving their tithes to the church. They feel like they should give it directly to someone. So they say, okay, I, I take my 10% of my tithes and I give it to who I see. I look around and if I see someone with a need, I give it to them as opposed to giving it to the church. But when I look at how the Acts Church did it, no one brought the money directly to the person who had the need. They brought it to the church, and the church saw the need and distributed it. And so what it showed me, because sometimes our motive can be wrong. You know, you, you bring it in, and when you bring it in, you're bringing it, bringing it in so that people can praise you. But when you bring it to the church, nobody knows who is, who is giving it. Nobody knows who is getting it. And so I thought about it and I said, wow. They brought it to the apostles' feet and it was distributed. Their action was a statement that declared and acknowledged their trust in God. Because how many of us truly can give away all of what you have or give away what you need? It's, it's, it's a hard act to follow. All they possessed, they were saying, in essence, was that all that I had or have belonged to the Lord. I remember my grandmother when we were growing up and my grandmother, would, my grandmother was a pastor of a very poor church. I mean, poor. And she had these women who came and gave their lives to the Lord and they were living with men. The, children, the, father, the father of their children and they couldn't afford to be mar get married. And my grandmother would sit and she would buy the fabric and she would sew the wedding dresses. And she would, whatever little money, because my, well, my mother is telling me later that it's her account my mother, grandmother used to take the money from. When she worked and lodged her pay, my grandmother would just draw it out and she would buy a ring for them to marry. And when I thought about it, when I was reading the acts, about the acts, she came back to my mind. That's what she was doing. She was offering the little that she had and even what she didn't have because the money wasn't hers. But she was offering it to the Lord and because these women needed to be married because they were living, gave their life to the Lord and they were living in situations that they weren't married to the men. And they wanted to serve God and, there, and, she, and she stepped in and said, I am going to use, so because she could sew. And she made, yeah, they were in common law situation. And she sewed their wedding dresses and she bought them the ring and all they needed to do was to just turn up. That is generosity. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, otherwise called Barnabas, 
was an example of a gracious spirit that prevailed in the Acts church. His generosity was beyond that of just being a generous man. It was a generosity of a family member who wanted to meet the needs of his family. Sadly, there was another couple who tried to emulate him, Ananias and Sapphira. But their motive, they were driven by deception. Like Barnabas, they sold their property and they placed the money at the disciples' feet, apostles' feet. But they were deceptive. They were not a true representation of what they truly were. They pre pretended to give all the proceeds from the sale of the property, but in fact had kept back some of the money for themselves. But God revealed their hearts to Peter. And in revealing their hearts, Peter was able to discern that they were not genuine. They were not generous as they wanted to, see, to seem. Satan had filled their hearts with deception. And they were being dragged away and enticed by their evil desires, which gave birth to sin and then later to death. They, they thought they were deceiving the apostles, but in fact, they were lying to the Holy Spirit. Can you believe that? And I thought about it. How many times would I, have I done things of deception? But in fact, it's not the people you're lying to. You're lying to God. To live generously like the believers in Acts required confidence and trust in God. You cannot give away. You cannot sell your possession and give away unless you're saying to God, I trust you. If you and I truly believe that all we have come from God, then we will be free to offer all that we have back to him. We give, but sometimes we give grudgingly. We give, but sometimes we do not give of our best. We sometimes hoard because we think that what we have is insufficient and if we give it away, we will need it one day and will not have it anymore. You know what struck me also? Is that not only do we struggle to give, but we struggle to receive. And I thought about it, because that's my struggle. I thought about people going out of their way and selling their properties and offering. And people, they're sitting, having need and saying, no, I don't need it. I thought about that and I said, wow. So generosity is two-way, it's two-fold. It's about the person giving and it's about the person receiving. Our hearts have to be at that place. Our hearts have to be at that place where you can give and your heart have to be at that place where God can bless you and you can receive. I remember one Sunday when I was in Jamaica and I was at church. I had 1,500 Jamaican in my name. I was working on a project and I had to finance the project all the way and I'd use up every cent but 1,500. In my mind, I had the two children going to school and I knew if I gave one 500 and the other 500, I would still have 500. So I said, okay. I was willing to, th to, to throw 500 in the offering basket because I said I have lunch money for Ashley and I have lunch money for Wade. 
as a ba I watched the basket moving around. But I was sensing God was saying to me, put the entire money in the basket. I started to rationalize and reason with God. But today is Sunday, remember? After Sunday is Monday. If not like Saturday, if not like Friday, and the possibility exists that there will be a Saturday and a Sunday. After Sunday, church, there is Monday. There is no bank opening. There was no money in the bank either. So there is no way I could have gotten it. The basket start coming around and start getting closer. And I am, there's a war going on on the inside of me. Because I'm saying this makes no sense. To give all of this and have no lunch money for my kids the next day. As the basket came closer, I found myself putting the entire 1,500 in. When I did it, I said to myself, what did you just do? It's too late now, right? I can't get it back. But what you know what the Lord showed me how faithful he was? When I got home that day, I had a, I had a message on my machine, answering machine. It was a woman I did some work for, maybe about a year and a half to two. And she had owed me 34000 And she called me and she said, come and pick up the 34000 And I said, God, it's like it's an exchange. He said to you, give me. But you can't let go, so you can't receive. Because he's saying to you, what you have in your hand, just let it go in my hand so that I can give you. So your hand is empty to receive. I struggled that Sunday. I struggled. I struggled, I struggled to give the 1,500 because in the natural, that's all I had. In the natural, I needed it for my children the next day. But God was saying to me, if when you trust me, you can let go of what you have freely. When you trust me that I am the one who give you what you have and I can give you more. If I nudge you to give, give. From the ant we can learn. The worker ant has always looked for food to feed the other ants. Their primary responsibility is to care for the welfare of the colony and not for itself. At all costs, the worker ant or ants are looking after the welfare of everyone. And when we are become a, to, to become a healthy church, that has to be one of the focus of our mind. How do I look after you? How do I look after you? How do I look after you? And how do you look after me? And so we recognize that for a healthy church, we so far looked at a healthy church must be united and a healthy church must be generous. My final point this morning is that a healthy church must be bold. Even though the disciples were warned and threatened not to speak in the name of Jesus, what they saw and heard made it difficult for them to keep quiet. They saw what Jesus did and they heard what Jesus did and they saw what, what the Holy Spirit did through the disciples. It was difficult for them to be quiet. They had prayed for boldness to speak the word of God and the Holy Spirit's grace was upon them. Now they had the courage to press through and with great power to continue to testify of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is the point they were being told to be silent. They boldly performed miracles, signs and wonders among the people. 
And by this, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Imagine the, all the hospitals in Jerusalem would have been closed. Doctors and nurses would have lost their jobs because there would be no need for them. Everywhere that the sick would go would have been closed, shop closed. The disciples were in town, and when they are in town, every sick is going to be healed. Every person who is tormented by the devil will also be healed. So imagine there is no need for doctors and nurses. Place closed. That was what we're seeing happening in the Acts Church. There was no need for medic medicine anymore. So the little man that made the medicine, there was no need for him because everybody was being healed. The disciples could not keep quiet because they saw and they heard Jesus. They could just not keep quiet because when you have seen so much, when you have seen a man who has been lame or crippled for 40 years stand up and walk, how do you keep that to yourself? When you see people being in love with Jesus so much that they sell their property to feed others, how can you keep quiet? When you see people whose hearts were wrong, falling and dying at, at the apostles' feet, how can you keep quiet? Healing attracts new believers and confirm the truth that the power of Jesus who was crucified was now living in his followers. Having read the stories of disciples' boldness to proclaim the gospel, I ask myself these questions which I am about to ask you. Have you heard or seen enough of Jesus to want to tell others about him? And if you have, would it cost you your life if you tell others? If it was not cost you your life, what are you afraid of losing? Is it the fear of rejection? Or is it that we just do not care enough about Jesus and, and others to tell them what we have seen and heard? From the ant, we learn boldness. The ant is a bold creature. The ant is unafraid of invading your space. The ant does not seek notice to come into your apartment. He does not seek notice to come to where you're having a picnic. He does not seek notice to come anywhere. The ant comes and when he comes, it, it makes you know that I am here. Because it's on your cupboard. It's, on your co it's not working underneath. It's, work, it's not like termites. Because termites will work underground. But the ant is on your table. It's on your countertop. And the ant is saying, I am here because there's food here. And I need the food that you have to take it to feed my colony. The ant do not look at your size. The ant is crawling, going its busy way. It does not stop and look at how big you are because the possibility is they can form a bridge and take you away. Because they, if they can live 5,000 times their size, imagine when they come together. They are determined to do whatever it takes to accomplish their purpose of feeding those who they need to feed. When you and I are like the ant, we will not be afraid to share. 
when you and I get to that place of being like the ant, we will ignore the possibilities that we think in our minds why we don't share, and we will boldly declare what we have seen and heard. When we think like the ant, we will recognize that if we do not take food, the people cannot eat. In what way is God calling us today to be like the ant? The ant recognize that they have a better chance of survival when they are united. They also recognize their sole responsibility is to care for the welfare of their colony and not themselves, so they must be generous. They recognize that they must be bold because they have to invade your space. They have to take what you have to take it to feed their loved ones. In what way is God calling us this morning to be like the church, to be like the ant, or the church to be like the ant? And I, and I, and I thought about it, and I said, when I think about NLH, the question I ask myself that I'm going to ask you, are we a healthy church, or are we an unhealthy church? And if you think that we are healthy, or you think that we are unhealthy, in what way have you contributed to making it healthy or unhealthy? Because one of the things I learned, having, having been through a divorce, is that I, I have to take responsibility for what I did to cause a divorce. I realized that no matter how much the person did, if I didn't do anything, we may have not ended up in a divorce. It had to it take two to tango. So if NLH is healthy or unhealthy, in what way have you contributed to making it healthy or unhealthy? For a church to be healthy, there must be unity, there must be generosity, and there must be boldness. Unity fosters warmer fellowship, deeper discipleship, and stronger worship. Generosity brings about growth through ministry as we get an opportunity to serve others in, in, our, in, our, in our congregation and others outside. Boldness brings about growth through evangelism as we genuinely share the love of Jesus with the world. Today, one of the things I would love for us to do as a church is that we could just stop and respond to that question. Is NLH a healthy or unhealthy church? And if they are healthy, in what way have you contributed to making it healthy? And if NLH is unhealthy, in what way have you contributed to making it unhealthy? Because we all have our mindset about things are and what we desire and what we require. And because we all require different things. Today, one of the things I would love for you to do, if you agree with me today, is to commit yourself to working together for the survival and the health of NLH. All we can do is to ask the Lord for a clean heart where our hearts are messy. And I am the first to say to the Lord, Lord, my heart is messy. I need a clean heart. 
I need a heart that is genuine. Because unity can be very, we, we, we can behave as if we are, we are united. But when we are genuinely united, as I said to you before, the enemy cannot pick us apart. But when we are not united, anything can happen. Anything, anything the enemy can come with and it, and it, and it, and it creates an upside down, it turns things upside down. But for NLH to be healthy, for you to be healthy, for NLH to be healthy begins first with us being healthy. Am I a healthy believer? Am I a believer that God can use and trust with his people and trust with the thing that he has called or he desires to do? Am I someone that God can genuinely bring persons around me and know that at the end of the day, I won't harm them, I won't damage them, but around me they will grow. Grow spiritually. And that's a question I want us to be thinking about. In what way have we individually and corporately contributed to the church being healthy? Because the church is not only NLH. The church is the body. So when people speak about the church and they say, oh, she goes to church or oh, he goes to church and they are looking down on the church because of what we did. In what way have we contributed? Or they say, oh yes, the church is good because they have looked at your life and they have said, she's a good girl. She's a, she, I can see Christ in what she does or I can see Christ in what he does. In what way have we contributed? Individually in making it a healthy or a or an unhealthy church. This morning I just want us to reflect because we have a responsibility like the ant. For anything to survive, persons must take responsibility. For anything to survive, there must be roles and functions that persons are carrying out with, 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 with zeal. I know the days when I cook a meal when I'm just cooking it because I'm hurrying and I'm doing it because I think I need to do it. I, I can't tell you how it tastes. But I know the days when I start planning to cook that meal from even from the day before. And I know I get all the ingredients that I want to have and I put them together. And I am tasting, well I really don't taste when I'm cooking. But I know by putting the things in. And the same thing about about in the church. If the, if the church is the last thing you think about and it, or if the church is something that you do because, you know, it is something that I do. What we're going to get is exactly what we, what, we, what we put in. But if the church, if your mindset of the church is something that is, 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 is growing and you see it as, as a representation of something that God has given you to care for. It's a responsibility that God has given you. Your thoughts and your actions towards it will be different. So I want us to just to think this morning. Lord, how have I contributed to making your church healthy? Or Lord, how have I contributed to making your church unhealthy? Lord, have I harbored disunity? 
Have I been divisive in my actions and in my thoughts? Have I not been genuine with my showing of love to those that I worship with and those who I know and those, my spouse? Have I just been living God, doing? Because it's a question that we have to answer. This was one of, I, I consider this, this was one of my hardest messages. Because for every point that I saw in the church, I recognize there's an area in my life that needs to be worked on. There are times when you're doing something and you say, okay, I, that's not so. But this one, I recognize I fell short in every area. And I said to the Lord last night, well, early this morning, Lord, I have fallen short in every area. And so even if nobody was here this morning, I could have, I could have preached a sermon to myself. I know it was mine. And it's a question I have to answer as much as I'm asking you to answer. Am I a healthy member of the church? Or am I a, an unhealthy member? Because there are certain things that healthy members do and unhealthy members do. Because Ananias and Sapphira were members of the church. They were members. They were members to the point that they knew their names. They could have said a couple, like the scripture speaks about people all the time and don't give their names. They could have said a couple decide. But clearly they were a couple that was influential in the church. And God revealed their hearts by causing Peter to discern that they were lying they could have laid it at the disciples' feet and left. And nobody would have known the story would have ended that Ananias and Sapphira, like Barnabas, sold their property and laid it the, what they got, got, the proceeds at the feet of the, the, the apostles. But God highlighted it for a reason because he's saying that even in the midst of, of everything that looks good, you can be, not be genuine. You can be deceptive. And so this morning, it's a responsibility that we have to look into our own hearts. Am I seeking? Am I being deceptive? Yes. Sapphire had a second chance. But she didn't know that her husband died, you know. Remember, she didn't know. And she was sticking. That is where she was united. She was united with her husband to lie. That is unity. Because she said, until death, am I going to lie? And she died, eh? Our sin gave way to sin. Our sin gave way to death. That is literally being enticed and dragged away because they wanted to be like a Barnabas. And all they could have done, you know, they could have sold and said, I, we're not going to give everything, but we're going to give a part. Hmm? But they wanted all the praise that in their mind that Barnabas would have gotten. And so we have to we have to look inwardly. We have to look inwardly. Lord, is there anything that I have done? Unknowingly doing that would create an unhealthy situation. David says, create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. 
David knew that he needed God's mercy. He knew that he needed God's forgiveness. He knew that he needed a cleansing of his heart so that he can be right with God. He says, Lord, cast me not away from your presence. Because he recognized. Think about That's what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. They were cast away from God's presence. They died. They died lying to the Holy Spirit. I won't get into the debate of where they're gone or where they're going. And if they were truly saved. But they lied to the Holy Spirit and it cost them their lives. I don't want that to happen to me. And it may not be deception where I'm going to be lying, but if I am causing the body of Christ not to be healthy, in whatever way it is, it is seen before the Lord. Whatever action I am doing that is causing the body of Christ to be ailing or to be sick or to be unhealthy because of my own actions and my thoughts, Lord, creating me a clean heart, Oh God, give me thoughts, God, that are like Christ. Give me the mind of Christ this morning so that I may have a clean heart before you, God, so that I can stand before you as one who is not condemned, but one that you have forgiven and have washed with your blood. Like the ant, we have the responsibility. Like the ant, we know the role we are to play. The, the ant knows. The worker bee knows that there's a queen and I'm not a male, I am going to work. The soldier in the worker bee knows that my role is to protect the queen and the colony. And when you research them, they say, no time does the queen goes to pick up food. She knows all I'm to do is just to lay eggs. Lay eggs, lay eggs. Thousands of eggs, and she just lay them until she lay, I have no more eggs. And then it's a next queen. And she faithfully does what she's doing. And the same thing God is saying to us. You know your function. You know your responsibility. You know your role. And the reality is the queen is no, is not, no more important than the worker ant. Because if the worker ant don't work, there's no colony. And if the, what the male realizes the male response role, what all he does is mate with the, 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 the queen and after mating he dies. Not even a day later, he just dies. Never to meet again. And that was his function. To ensure that the queen was fertilized to, to lay eggs. And so we have to look at we're saying, okay, Lord, the scripture talks about the eye and the hand. And everybody having their own role. Because when you realize that no role is important than any, you don't have to vie for one. Because anything God has called you to do is just as important in his eyes as any other role. It is man who plays eminence or, 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 or put weight 
unrolls. It is man who does that. The scripture talks about the eye. You know how I recognize how important the body parts are when my gallbladder was malfunctioning. I have never seen my, my gallbladder, never thought about it before it started to malfunction. But the moment it started to malfunction, my entire body knew something was wrong. And it was hidden inside. It was not even one of the major organs that you, that you need to live. But live with, with it when it is malfunctioning. So much pain. I have never felt so much pain, not even giving birth. Because at least giving birth came on and, 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 and came on contraction and you got a break. This thing was constant. Night until morning. It's like I felt like I, felt like I was going to go crazy. Because my brain, my mind, everything now was working, working, working hard because this thing was working against me. And God is saying to us, if you're a hand, if you're an eye, if you're a foot, if you're a God bladder, Whatever you are, you have a role. You have a function. You have a responsibility to the advancement of the kingdom of God. And you cannot overlook his calling on your life and thinking that, okay, fine, my role is a small role. Or that, no, I need a bigger role. No. God knows that he calls you to do that and he knows, because he knows how he has gifted you and he does not gift us the same way. So in what way are we being healthy or unhealthy? So Father, I just thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, Lord. It's a challenging word to me. It's a word, Lord, that causes me to reflect. a word in season for me. It's a word because of where I am and where I need to be. Lord, I just pray that those who hear your word today will pay attention to what you are saying. Because Lord, your word says that your word does not return to you void. It accomplishes what it was sent out to do. So Lord, I just pray that the hearts listening will be pliable hearts like the wineskin Lord they will not be rigid but like the wineskin they'll, they'll, they, they'll they'll, they, they, they are pliable so that they can stretch and to be ready to take that new wine Father glorify yourself in this place Lord glorify yourself in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, we're going to have Brother Kirk with the communion and the offering. My soul sings it, sings it to your will. Come on, do you know it? Just sing it with me. My soul sings it, sings it. Where you lead me, I will follow. 
Blessing, blessing, blessing everybody. As we enter into the time of um, communion, the thing that the Acts Church did daily was to present themselves to the Lord by saying yes. Because the battle was real and it was a daily confession. So every moment they got when they met, they are saying yes, and they were encouraged by everybody in attendance. So there, it was something that nobody missed in terms of breaking bread and fellowship. Something that they did daily to strengthen the church. The church was under attack. There were a lot, a lot, a lot of doubts. The Lord wasn't there physically, but they waited for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Once they realized what the Holy Spirit was able to do in them, mere men, they understand what the Lord was stressing, that I have to go so I can present another counselor unto you. Somebody that will be there with you guys everywhere, every time, at any place, at any given time. Though I'm here and I know you guys love me, he says, but the comforter will be there with everybody. And I know you guys are 
divine for my attention. The comforter, the power of the Holy Spirit will be there. And when he came, he also came with gifts to strengthen the church. He gave them gifts that they had already. He gave them power to share and to declare the word in authority. And it was mentioned every time they saw these disciples, they realized they were of the Lord. They had a, a look, a presence, and the power that went with them everywhere they went, even in their daily task. So as we think about communion and the idea it's even significant of community, that he presented to them this fact that I'm not going to be with you and to do this as often as you can. So if everybody have their emblems, um, the bread and the wine, the significance of the body and the blood. We are the body of Christ. We have the blood that cleanses us and washes us free from all sin. Lord, we are thankful for your blood that you have given us and your body which was broken for us. When you went to the cross, it wasn't easy. As the song says, it wasn't easy, but it was worth it. It's never easy to walk this walk. It is never easy to be a believer, though you have been saved a long time. The testing and the trials don't stop after you pass five years, 10 years, 20 years. If that's the case, something might be wrong. If the enemy doesn't see you as a seasoned veteran or, or as a seasoned warrior, and it, it was even mentioned that David in his old age, when Absalom was coming after him, David even feeling defeated, one of the wise men said to him, no, this man is a seasoned warrior. And they said, yes, they had to reflect on so you cannot attack him at this point. But even though David was at his weakest, it was a point where they said, no, you cannot attack this man at this point. And they listened. So when we are weak, he is strong. So I want you now to take the emblems. And for those who are listening, if you want to partake, It'd be awesome. We just need the bread and the wine. This is this is a symbol of God's goodness to us. So we are we're taking the bread and we're gonna eat the bread thinking of God's body that's broken for us. So take and eat.
take the blood, the wine, the new wine, the new fresh anointing, the power that's represented with the wine and the Holy Spirit that will fill us, cleanses us, and empowers us. So go ahead and drink the wine for me, please. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we are so thankful again for this representation of your body and your blood. And it's mentioned that we supposed to do this as often as we can. In remembrance, in reflection of your goodness, so that we don't forget this great salvation in which we have. The salvation in which it cost you so many, but is free to us. Something that you gave to us willingly, not grudgingly. So Lord, thank you that you first gave to us before we have the opportunity to give back to you. And it's now when we enter into the time of offering, when we also reflect on the the things that the Lord has done. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, and I'm reading from the King James Version. It says, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but I rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh unto, not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit he in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesies speak unto men to education, edification and exhortation and for comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. I would eat that all men speak with tongues, but rather that he prophesy, for greater is he that prophesy than he that speaketh with tongues. Except he interpret that the church may receive edification. So we see the, the Lord giving us gifts to equip the church. But he wants us to prophesy, to speak things into the church so that it will give exhortation and comfort. Sometimes we, we don't speak because we don't see. And the, the, the idea of prophesying is to speak the things that we don't see to get the things that we want as we understand what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for but not yet seen. So if we're sitting on a chair, we realize that we are sitting on a chair because we have experienced a chair. But if there's no chair to sit on, would we have faith to speak for a chair? There is a sound that will be shared in our hearts. The sound of goodness, the sound of thanksgiving. 
because we realize that we are in a war and we are fighting together. There is also uh, a video that I saw online. It was so profound. There was a buffalo that was walking and grazing in the grass. A group of lions saw the buffalo and decided that, wow, he's going to make a healthy meal. So the buffalo saw the lions and he was playing this game like hide and go seek. He ran one way, the lions ran another way. And for some awesome miracle, he got away. But when he got away, he ran into, into a river or like a lake that was kind of murky, thinking that he could get away on the other side. And he, he wasn't a good swimmer. He's trying to swim as best as he can, being so big, and he's swimming. But there came another predator, the crocodile. The crocodile came and lunged after him, and I must, he must be saying, oh my goodness, what is this I've done? I thought I got away from the lions. Now this crocodile is biting at me, snapping, and he was... He, he, he couldn't even move so fast to get rid of the crocodile. But another miracle happened. He was able to swim back to shore. And I'm wondering, what is this buffalo thinking? He swam back to shore, but there the lions were, were there waiting. The lions were there waiting for the buffalo to return and they're just waiting patiently and buffalo taking his time but the buffalo saw something that the lions didn't see in the distance were an awesome great herd of buffaloes marching on and they saw their brother's demise so I saw the buffalo with confidence swimming faster to the lions and the lion said, wow, this guy's making this easy. On reaching the, the, the dry land, and it was, he, he put one hoof on it to walk up. The lions lounged after him, and he was able to maneuver and go around. But remember, he saw something that the lions didn't see. He saw his friends coming to help him. And when the lions realized that they were outnumbered, they, they said, okay, we can do this another day. <laughs> and, and, and they ran away. So the story is simple. We are strong in numbers, and we are also stronger when we are unified. So when we see our brothers and sisters in need, that we, we want to be there for them. And I want to make sure that we can offer our services and our giftings to others who, who are out there who are hurting, who don't know what the salvation is, what it looks like. And um, we want to make sure that we first take care of ourselves also. And we continue to love and care for each other. So as we prepare to give... For those who are online who want to give to us, you can do it by our Zelle account, which is New Horizon Min. 
at gmail.com or it's the same for the PayPal account which is newhorizonmin at gmail.com and our telephone number is 469-333-0397 this is uh, a number in which you can call, text or even ask or prayer or anything that you need we want to make sure we are very we are there for you to be a blessing to care and to to develop into the law of God so prepare your your monies and your items right now we're going to have a, a rendition while we do just that Father, thank you again for everything that you have done for us, for all the ways that you have blessed us, for all the ways that you have provided for us, for all the ways that you have showed us your goodness and indeed your mercy. Lord, for every gift, every spiritual idea, every spiritual intention, we pray that, Lord, you will always provide. The Lord, you will open up doors where there weren't any. You will open up windows which was closed. Lord, thank you that this represents a portion in which you have blessed us with. And we are so careful to remember the humility 
are presenting the items to you. To understand the times and the season in which you have said it. To not take anything that belongs to you. Because whenever we take something that belongs to you, it is yours and you will come back for it. So Lord, with the humility of your love and grace, we present these offerings to you. Lord, we always say that we want to, to make your kingdom great. But Lord, we want you to be great in us. So that when we are going about, not even thinking, when we are just doing mere task, your power will be in us. When we are moving, not even understanding, your grace will be upon us. Thank you, Lord, for wisdom. And if we, if we don't have it, you said we should ask. So now we ask you for wisdom. How to even understand our, our personal finances. How to get out of debt if we are in debt. How to be able to be at a place to give to others and borrow from none. How, how when somebody is in need that we can open our house to them to provide for them. Because for every need that is there, Lord, you have given us the task to fulfill the need. We, we are your hands and feet. And, and as it is mentioned, as we are as a body, there are different evidence, different giftings, different callings, different things that we have to do as a church. With the diversity of gifts, but it is the same spirit. With the diversity of operation, but it is the same God working in and through all. But with the manifestation of the Spirit, it is given to us to walk in fullness. So Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, and amen. We pray that the love of God, the peace of his precious Holy Spirit will be with you and abide with you this week until we get the awesome opportunity to meet again. And if we don't meet again, we'll meet in his presence. Walk good and remember you are a child of the King. Amen. Day ready. It's the new swag, baby. Woke up this morning and I told myself Not gonna worry about what I cannot help People dying innocently, hate is spreading rapidly I'm not talking apathy, but some things God's gotta work Whoa, he's gotta work Yeah, he's gotta Whoa, he's gotta Yeah, check it out Why? God's got it. 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 God's
Down as soon as I got on my feet. Lord, it was you. 
Another Music Major production. I can't hear y'all clap.